Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. All right, on, uh, <clears throat> on the same day when evening had come, he, being Jesus, said to them, let's cross over to the other side. So that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is crossing over to the other side. Uh, so when Jesus said this, I mean, if you go and read the stories, uh, they had no clue what they were going to face crossing over. Uh, there was a great storm came, if you remember the story, and, and uh, you know, Jesus was asleep in the boat. And Anybody ever feel like Jesus was asleep in your boat? It's kind of a bad moment, a bad feeling. But sometimes we go through times and it feels like Jesus is not listening and, it's interesting if you go back and read all the different accounts, what they say. Uh, but really, they got to the other side. And so when the Lord says it's time to go to the other side, no matter what we face, we're going to the other side. Amen. The only thing that's going to stop you from going to the other side is you. It's your disobedience. You're not being willing to go to the other side. You know, but when the word of the Lord comes, the, the word of the Lord stands. And uh, so it really is a time, I believe, when the Lord is speaking to us about going to the other side. Um, years ago, um, I had these, I started having these visions of bodies of water. Okay, and I was thinking, what, what, does, these, what does this mean, uh, Lord? And and the Lord spoke to me one day, and he said, it's time to cross over. Um, so, and that, when I look back on my life, and when I look back at the time after that, really my whole spiritual life shifted. Uh, it wasn't like an immediate thing. So, what I'm suggesting to you today is not, I'm not talking about something that's going to happen tomorrow. It could happen tomorrow. But I am telling you that we, we're in a time in the world where an era has come to an end, okay? And God is calling the church to cross over into a different time, okay? And, and when, when he says go, we need to go because there's things that's, that, that needs to be done in this world that cannot be done if we're still living in the past or what God did. Are you following me? So I think it's interesting uh, that it said when evening had come. That, that really speaks to me. That speaks of, of, of darkness, right, when evening has come. So, so spiritually, evening has come in America. I'm going to tell you that now. Evening has come in the world. There's a darkness that has come over the whole earth, if you haven't been noticing recently. There's a true darkness that has come upon the earth. Uh, and, and there's just a lot of things going on that's negative that's really... Uh, very evil, okay? There is, there's an evil that's been released into the earth that hasn't not... It's, maybe it's always been there, but it, now it's been released, okay? Now it's, been, it's, it's coming into power, right? Jesus said uh, when he was being crucified, it was a time for darkness is power, okay? So there's these different seasons where things happen in the earth, okay? 
and, and there's times when there's a more manifestation of, of darkness, and there's times when there's more manifestations of light. And so we're in a time when darkness has come, but the Bible also says, you know, deep darkness will cover the earth, right? That's why Isaiah prophesied, deep darkness is going to cover the people. But the, but the Spirit of the Lord, right, is coming upon the people, okay? So in, the, in our darkest moments, God has a light, Okay, in fact, God's light shines brightest in the darkness, I believe. So, uh, let me just give you my little definition of crossing over. Crossing over means to pass out of the old into something new which you have not experienced. Old ways of doing and old ways of thinking. Okay, old ways of doing and old ways of thinking. It's, I know this, that can be hard because what's the new way? We don't know. And that's where faith comes in. That's where belief comes in. And that's where obedience comes in. So, um, what are we crossing over to? Would someone like to know? So, thank you, somebody, for asking that question. Okay, I have a couple of verses here that I'll tell you. First one is out of the book of Ephesians. So, that was my little introduction to this one verse out of Ephesians. So, if you remember that the book of Ephesians is alarmingly similar to the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. If you go and study what happened in the book of Joshua and then go read the book of Ephesians and, and look at Ephesians' spirits, what, what Joshua was in the natural, Ephesians is in the spirit. Okay, I mean, there's so many similarities because what the book of Joshua is about, just in case you didn't know, it was when Israel crossed over from the wilderness into the promised land. They went from having a promise from the Lord to beginning to possess what God had for them. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And, and, and that's what the book of Ephesians is all about. It's, it's, it's to try to help us see that we have these promises, these great promises from the Lord and this great inheritance from the Lord, and how we can actually cross over and enter into and have that, those inheritance. That's exciting, isn't it? That's what, why I love that book so much. Because I don't know about you, I'm interested in getting out of just God's promises. I'm getting into having those promises. I want to possess what God has for me. Yeah? Okay, not just in a sense that I possess it because I'm a believer and it's in, down in my spirit. i got to have it in my life. Here today, you know, if it's hidden down in the side of my spirit and it's not really a change in my life, affecting my daily life, then it's not working. Something's wrong. And this is what we want to do is we want it to work in our life. We want it to see it happen. Amen. And that's how we are going to overcome the darkness. We can't overcome the darkness. Apart, apart from it. Because this is what it says here in Ephesians 3.10. So that the multifaceted, just in case you didn't understand multifaceted, it means many-sided. Wisdom of God might, be, might now be made, made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Do y'all get that? See, that's the key for the world. That's the key for the world. That's the key to overcome, overcoming whatever the spiritual things are. Because these are not just 
this, this is big darkness. This is rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. These are not like demons that get on people and get in their heads and, and, and bind them. These are high-level rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And God's intent is for the church to be able to deal with those. Now listen, Christ defeated Satan at the cross. But Christ decided that he was going to leave, allow Satan to continue on the earth. And, and I don't know all the reasons, but one of the reasons is in Romans 16, that the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet, talking to the believers. Are you with me this morning? And so, so what God, what the church, what God wants us to cross over into is so we can tap into the wisdom of God because the wisdom of God is what's going to bring down the power of the enemy in the earth. That's what's going to bring it down. It's not going to be through force. It's not going to, listen, I'm into politics. I believe in voting. I believe in supporting people who are in politics, but that is not our ultimate answer. The ultimate answer is for the wisdom of God to be made known. Are you all with me? And, and Paul said this back when he wrote this. He said now. Everybody say now. now. In other words, right now is the time for this to happen. It was, back then it was the time and now is the time. And so what we want to cross over into is to the now of God. And see what God wants to do and how God wants to use the church in America. Okay. Yes, sir. So if you remember from the book of Joshua, there was a lot of warfare. Right? I mean, when they walked into the promised land, they had a little bit of time there to do a few things and process a few things. But the next thing you know, they had to deal. They had to displace the enemy that was there. Right? Right? They had war. They had ongoing war for years. Even though it was all theirs, somebody else had control of it. Somebody else has control of the earth right now. And God wants to displace that. That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We're trying to displace these powers and authorities that are here. Am I talking to anybody? Okay. So, um, here's another thing. He said, the wisdom of God will be made known by the church, not individuals, not individual Christians. He's talking about a corporate release of God's wisdom. And that's why, you know, the church will become more and more of an important thing, but also a more and more marginalized Thing in America. It's becoming marginalized. It's becoming hated to be a Christian because God wants to raise up a body that can release his wisdom. And the enemy sees that. Yeah. So um, now's the time for the church, listen to this, to move beyond being divided over non-essential doctrines. Now you hear me? Non-essential doctrines. Political differences. Gender differences, men and women. Racial differences. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? See, we have to move beyond those things because those things keep us divided. And as long as we're divided, we will not be able to do what God's called us to do. Now listen, y'all. 
I'm pretty uh, encouraged, actually, about the next generation coming up. Uh, you know, we've the, the millennial generation and whatever the other one is, a Gen Z, and what, uh, there's all kinds of different generations, okay? And they've gotten a lot of bad press. But I've seen some people, young, the younger people, that I'm, th- I'm like, we can give them the keys to the car. We can give them the keys to the house. They can do this. There are people, younger people, that God has put some beautiful things in, okay, that gives me a lot of hope. Well, I wanted to read uh, something uh, a, a younger man wrote uh, recently. And I'm just going to tell you who he is. His name is Sam Johnson. How many people know Brother Sam? Yes, beautiful Sam over there. But he wrote something, and this is out of the school, out of our school. We did a, some classes on vision, having a vision. And he, he wrote a really great thing. In fact, every, everything I'm getting, I'm, I'm like, y'all should be teaching this class. Why am I teaching it? You, you've got this. You've got this. They really do. This is what he says. The enemy has done very well in separating believers and turning them against each other. It's not, not been the thing that's been going on for years, but especially in the last few years. Some of you need to be convicted right now because you've allowed yourself to be divided. The splitting and chopping of the bride, the crumbling of the ecclesia into frowning silos that see themselves apart from each other. We have removed the father from the table and the children had fled to their rooms. Isn't that powerful? <laughs> when I read that, it was like, whoa. Mm. Yeah. There's a chapel on every corner, yet no voice. There's faith in every building, yet no communion. There's great faith here, yet silence in the streets for Christ. That was Sam. Sam, that was just a little piece of an amazing thing he wrote. It really is. And so that's what, to me, that really captures what we had to cross over. Okay? We had to cross over all this. And we had to let some things go that don't really matter. We really do. We had to let some things go. Um, I was talking to some people yesterday, and one of them was a Presbyterian. And the other one was badgering him about being a Presbyterian. I said, it doesn't matter if he's a Presbyterian as long as he believes in Christ. Amen. That's all that matters. Who cares that they got some doctrine that I, will, I, I don't really care for? I'm not having to deal with their doctrine. We let, we let that kind of things divide us, though, don't we? And, we, and, and we're coming to a time in, in, in where we had to stop. You know, we had to stop. We had to stop letting our political differences divide us. Our theological differences, our racial differences. We, have to, we really had to do that or we'll never be able to make known the wisdom of God to the power and principalities in the heavenly places. We'll never see this verse fulfilled. Are y'all with me? I mean, this is really the truth. Let me read another really wonderful verse. This is 2 Corinthians 6, 1 through 2. Uh, and working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Now, I want you to hear what he's saying here. Don't receive it in vain. And then he tells you how you can receive his grace in vain. He tells you, he gives you an answer how not to do it. Like he didn't say, don't, don't do that. But then he gives you the clue. 
For he says, at a favorable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Now is a day of salvation. See, we're just like Paul says, now is the time. Paul's saying here, now is a day where God wants to have favor on his people. Not just tomorrow. Now is a day when God wants to answer our prayers. Now is a day when God wants to save, heal, and deliver people. He wants to bring an anointing of salvation again into what he said, into our streets. God is looking. He's looking to save people, y'all. I have never in my entire career, and I'm not evangelist type, but I have never in my Christian life felt such a burden from the Lord for the lost people out there. That God is concerned about them and He wants them brought into His kingdom because they're children that have not yet known that they're children and they need to know the Lord Jesus and they need to receive the salvation that He has made available to them. Just like He made it available to us and saved our lives and fixed some things for us. I don't know about you, but God has done so much for me. And the further I walk down the road with I just see how loving and caring he has over my life. Because I would have ruined my life. I would have ruined my life if I would have went the way I thought. And did the things I thought I should do. And God would over and over get in the way. And gently sometimes, and sometimes not so gently, redirect me. And I'm so thankful for that. And God wants to do that. That's, how a fa- that's what a father does. And that's what he's, he's, his heart burns for this. Well, so there's three, there's three things, okay? Number one, now's the time for God's wisdom to be released by the church into the earth. Now's the time where God wants to have favor on his people. Now's the time where he wants us, he wants us to pray to him because he wants to hear our prayers and answer our prayers. And now is a time where God wants to bring salvation into the world. Again, in a fresh way, an anointing of salvation. And this is one thing the Lord told me. This is what he told me. This is what he showed me clearly, that he wants to release angelic help to people. We're going to get in some messes. There's some messes out there crossing over. There's a storm out there. If we choose to cross over, it's not like the devil is going to say, oh, look at those Christians. They're finally crossing over. Wow, I'm so, wow, okay, I'm, I guess I'm done now. They're crossing there. No, he's going to throw some stuff back at you. He's going to throw some contrary winds at us, right? But the Lord showed me, I'll bring you some angels. I will, I will put them strategically in your life. And I said, well, Lord, why don't you just do the Holy Spirit? He said, because I've created angels for a purpose, and I want to put them to work in your life. That's what he said. I want them to work for you. I want you to them to serve you in what you're doing. If, and so I'm saying, bring the angels. Bring the angels. I need some help, Lord. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what the Lord's going to do. So when you find yourself in a mess, when you find yourself where you got, somehow you got on the wrong track, you feel like somehow something happened and it's getting dark around you, you can trust that the Lord's going to bring an angel and the angel's going to say, I'll get you to where you need to go and I'll take care of you. You can trust that so you don't have to be afraid about walking into this thing. You don't have to fear because he's already made a provision for you in your messes. 
Okay, even if you cause the mess, he's still going to help you because he's a father, and that's what daddies do. They rescue. They go get their kids when they're in a mess. It's the truth, and they may have a conversation with them on the way back to the house about it. They may have that little talk, but you're going to get to where you need to go. You know what I'm saying? I'm just telling you this. I'm telling y'all. Well... I guess that's what I'm doing. Let me just read one, a couple more verses. Wow. Recently I read Acts 10. Y'all know what Acts 10 is about. It's about when Peter went to Cornelius' house. It's when the gospel was first released in a powerful way to the Gentile church. It was powerful. I mean, I've read that. I know that chapter. I've been reading it forever. Everybody knows that. If you're a believer, that's a big deal. If you're a, if you're a Pentecostal guy, Acts is a big deal. You like Acts. Because it got miracles and it. it's got the Holy Spirit being poured out. I like Acts. I like to read about it so I can ask God to do it again in my life. Well, I was reading, I don't usually get emotional, weepy reading Acts 10, but I started getting weepy because I could feel the heart of the Lord. Well, what he did that day, I felt his heart towards those people. And it was a very significant thing that happened. Because we, us Gentiles sitting in this room talking about Hanukkah and doing Hanukkah. Well, Becky and I have been celebrating Hanukkah in our... <laughs> it's been pretty good. Just lighting some makeshift menorah that we create. Becky, talking about metal. We created our own menorah and... Doing all that and praying, it's been precious. Praying and thanking the Lord for what He's done and praying for people that need miracles. Just taking 30 minutes at the end of the day to do that. And just, it's amazing. I would, I would recommend you do it. It's not too late. You can just, huh? Get your tea candles out. That's what, that's what our menorah is, is a bunch of tea candles lined up on the table. You know, we have a menorah somewhere, but we couldn't find it. So, listen to this, y'all. This is, this is what happened to Peter, okay, before he went over to Cornelius' house and preached the gospel and saw people get saved. He was over at this guy's house who happened to be a tanner, uh, Simon, who lived by the sea. And if you read historically, the tanners used uh, dung or manure or the other one other words you might want to use. <laughs> to, that was part of their process of tanning leather. So they built their houses next to the sea so the breeze would keep the stink away. Isn't that funny? That's funny to me. And God sent Peter to this guy's house. This guy was a believer and he was hanging out with him. And it was about time to eat and Peter got hungry. And it probably was stinking in the house. So he went up on the rooftop to pray to get away from the stink. I'm just adding that. That was not in the Bible. I'm just imagining that. I like to imagine myself in these stories. Like, why did he go up on the roof? It's stuck in there. That's why he went. He's getting out of the smell. And so he, while he's up there, he's hungry. And he has, a, has this amazing trance thing that happened to him. We went into this trance. And he saw this sheet lowered from heaven. And it had all these... Things in the sheet that good Jewish people didn't eat. It had bacon. It had sausage. You know? 
It had insects. It had all kinds of stuff. You know, any, you know, there's all kinds of rules. And Peter, and it says, rise and eat. And he says, no, I have never. He said he had, up to that day he had never ate anything unclean. So he was a really dedicated man, Peter was, even before Christ. He really followed the, the Jewish laws and did, did what the Lord told him, what they believed God had told them to do. He was doing it diligently. And, and so the Lord said, you know, you know, did that vision three times and, and finally he told him not to call it unclean. Now this is important. He didn't really get it, but the Lord was at that moment was telling him, there's a division in the world. That's what God was saying. Peter, there's a division. And you Jewish people think those Gentile people are unclean. And what I'm trying to tell you, they're not unclean. They're not unclean. You just think they are. That's what he was telling him. He was speaking to him about the very thing that we suffer with today, this division. Oh, those Presbyterians are unclean. They got some terrible doctrine, right? They're unclean. We might not use those phrases, but that's what we do. So, so he's sitting up here on the roof, saw all this, had this trance, and this is, I just want to read this. Now, while, is in verse 70, while Peter was greatly perplexed in mind in his thinking, as to what the vision which he had seen might mean, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius. Cornelius had sent these men. The angel of the Lord said, send those men, go get some guys and get Peter. He's staying down here. That's pretty high-level revelation. That's high-level. Go to this town, go to this house of a guy named Simon who's a tanner, and there's a guy named Peter there. I need you to go get him. I bet we'd like to have prophecy like that, wouldn't you? That's, that's serious. And this guy wasn't even a believer at that time in terms of Christ. He was, a, he was a believer, obviously, in the Lord, though. And they got there, and they asked direction to Simon's house, and they appeared at the gate, and calling out, they were asking whether Simon, who was also called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was reflecting on the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. But get up, listen to me, get up and go down. That's important. Get up from where you are and go down there to where those men are. So he got up and, and it says, And accompany them without misgiving, for I have sent them myself. Peter went down to the men and said, Behold, I'm the one you're looking for. What is the reason for which you have come? Wow, isn't that beautiful? That's really, really powerful when you think about it. So, let me just say this. I'm going to read what I wrote down here. Right now, many of us are like Peter, greatly perplexed in our minds because of what we have believed about the Lord and about our lives, about our country, about whatever you want to put in there. And that's being greatly challenged right now. And in some cases, significantly changed. Put yourself there. That's, that's what's happening. Getting up and going down is key 
to understanding and the wisdom of God for our lives and circumstances right now. See, everybody has a rooftop. I know what my rooftop is. Everybody has something. But what the Lord was telling me is, Byron, you got to get up from where you at and you got to go down if you really want the wisdom of God to know what to do with your life and how to navigate the times you're, you're entering into. Am I talking to anybody? Did y'all get that? I, I need y'all, I really need y'all to get this. Okay, this is my 2024 what is the Lord saying message. Okay, I just couldn't wait to 2024. I'll <laughs> just go ahead and give it to you now. You know how preachers all get this word for 2024? I won't try to get no word, but I'm just telling you this to try to get you to think here. So what is your rooftop? You know, some of us would just are like Peter. Like, I want to stay up there and have visions. You know what I'm saying? I'll be happy up there. I can live up there. I could live up there, honestly, on that rooftop. That's the best place ever. But that's not where God called us to live. Now, yours may not be having visions on rooftops. It may be something else. You know, whatever it is, only you and the Holy Spirit know what that is. Some people are so dogged hung up on theology, y'all, it's ridiculous. That's their rooftop. And their theology is killing them. It's perverting their thinking. And I'm not trying to pick on theology because I mean, I like theology. I'm studying theology. But I am telling you this, it can mess you up. Let me read one more verse. This is down in verse 34. Uh, after Peter went to Cornelius' house, and he said, opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality. That's what he said. God is not one to show partiality. You see, it was only after he went to, and did what the Lord told him to do that he began to see the plan of God. He was never going to see the plan of God sitting just having a vision. Just having a Bible study. Just having some understanding from the Bible or just something. He, you, that, that's not how this thing works. God is going to give you things and then he's going to say, Get up and listen. Going down is important. That speaks of humility. That God, we have, if we're going to enter into what God has, if we're going to be able to cross over, we're going to have to humble ourselves. Do I have any fans in here on this message? I mean, I mean, I want to know if this is speaking to you. Or am I just by myself in this deal? You know? So let me just ask you to pray about your rooftop. That's what I want you to do. What's your rooftop? What is that thing? That's, it could, and it can be, a, I'm not, it's, for my, my rooftop's beautiful. It's amazing. I will go on to dreams and visions in the Lord. That's my rooftop. So it can be something spiritual. It can be, it can be a good thing. It can be family, whatever. Or it could be a bad thing. All right, let me read one more couple of verses and then we'll end. Oh, Lord, help me. Well, back to the book of Joshua. I'm going to read this, and I think I've read this scripture a few times in this church or referenced it lots of times for years. 
You know, Joshua was in the promised land here in chapter 5. And it says he was by Jericho. It came about when Joshua was by Jericho. He raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. I just love these verses. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Hey, are you for us or for our, or for our enemies? And the, and the man said, No, rather I have come now. Everybody say now. Now, are y'all getting these nows I keep saying? Did you notice these verses have nows in it? The only one I read that didn't have a now in it was the first one. Every one of these other stories I had, somewhere in there, there's this word now. I want you to get, we're in the now. There's a now that has come upon the church. That's what this is saying. I have now come. I, not, how I, not how I came yesteryear, but now I've come. Okay, as captain, okay, of the army of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the ground and bowed down and said to him, What has my Lord set to say to his servant? And the captain of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You know what the Lord told Joshua back in chapter 1? He said, Every place to your footsteps I'm going to give you. Okay, and now he said, you better get your shoes off because this is holy ground. Before you can take anything, you got to get, you got to have this encounter with me to see what I'm asking of you. See, here's the thing. Joshua was trained by Moses, right? He was Moses' understudy, but he was trained in the wilderness, right? That's how Moses trained, that's, and that's what Joshua knew. He knew a, le- a wilderness leadership, but now he was in the promised land, and what worked in the wilderness may not work in the promised land. Are y'all, y'all hearing this? That's what the book of Ephesians is trying to tell us. Way you, the way you used to think, the way you used to do might not necessarily work if you're going to cross over into possessing your promises. And it's really the truth. And let me just tell you this about Joshua. Joshua was very, was very, very familiar with the Lord. He heard the audible voice of the Lord when the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. He, Joshua would sit in the tent. When the glory of the Lord would come down, Joshua would get under that glory. Everybody else would hang around and after a while, everybody would go home. Guess what Joshua would do? The Bible says he would stay back there and rest under that glory. So it wasn't like he was ignorant to the presence of God. It wasn't like he didn't know God. But here's God in the form of this soldier, Jesus Christ. Here he is showing up. And Joshua was thinking, who are you? Are you for us or against us? Because the Lord had come, was coming to him in a different way. The Lord was revealing something to him in a different way. And he was basically saying, Joshua, this is the kind of leadership you're going to have to be now. This is the kind of leader you're going to have to be. Because I think I've told you all this a few times. The way the Lord reveals himself is the way he wants us to know him. And it has a a hint of what our assignment is. You see, Joshua is no longer. We're no longer going to soak in the glory, Joshua. We're going to war. And you better learn right now how to do combat. And the only way you're going to learn how to do combat is to see the captain of the Lord of the armies. Does that make sense to anybody? And so the Lord's going to come 
And for us to cross over, we had to do exactly what Joshua did. We had to humble ourselves to how he's now revealing himself and bow to it. And as we do that, like Peter did, the same thing. See, see, what Peter did was a reflection of this. Peter knew the Lord as a Jewish man, as a sincere Jewish man, who never, but would not have anything to do with the Gentile people. But when the Lord spoke to him up on that rooftop and told him to get off that roof, get off that theology that Gentiles are not as good as Jews, and get down there to them, and he brought the gospel to them, See, God had revealed... See, before that... Listen, y'all get this. Before that, Peter didn't have that revelation because God never really showed him that. Even Jesus, when Jesus was there, he did a little bit, hinted here and there. He would heal a Syrophoenician woman, the woman at the well. But he, all, he did make it really clear. The Lord sent me to the house of Israel first. And then Peter had to get this. But once he got the revelation... He had to do something. He had to humble himself and do what God told him to do. And when he did, he began to get an understanding of what was going on and how he needed to navigate the world he was living in. And that's really what God wants for us. He wants us to be able to navigate this world we're living in. But we're not going to navigate the world we live in very good if we're stuck somewhere. And I do think, y'all, I'm just telling y'all, I'm grieved in my heart about all this division. And, and a lot of it is around politics with Christians. It's not right. And a lot of it's around theology. Those are two big issues. With, if you hang around out there in the Christian world a lot, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get people offended at you if you open your mouth about something. If you say certain words, you're going to get kicked to the curb by believers. And God, is, that's a spirit of division that we see in the world that's going on. It's a divisive spirit, okay, that has, come, has gotten into the church. And some of us need to repent of it. Because what, what Peter says, God shows no partiality. God doesn't show partiality. And if we're showing partiality and we are, have, we've missed the Lord, and the Lord's not going to go with us, or He's not going to be there for us the way we want Him to. Well, I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. I'm just telling you stuff that I really feel that I believe that God has a heart, just like he had that heart for them, for those Gentile people that were gathered that day at Cornelius' house. And he had to get somebody who had a revelation of Jesus Christ, who was Peter, down there to them so they could get into the kingdom. You know, and then, you know, basically then the Lord just sent Peter back to the Jewish people and called Paul up and said, hey, your job is the Gentiles. Or, yeah. And, and you know, you know what happened in the book of Acts, y'all? You know what happened? Jerusalem was the central mother church. Peter was the main character. But after chapter 10, everything began to shift in the book of Acts, it started shifting over more and more to Paul, shifting more and more to what? Gentile churches. Because the gospel was going out from Jerusalem. It was no longer stuck in a place. It was going out into the world. That's amazing. It's power. All that, but see, all that, I got to stop. 
All that is telling us something. And so I believe we're in a now time. I believe we're in a now time. All right, I'm going to stop. Here's what I want you to do. I'm asking you to do. Number one, about the division thing. I really want you to ask the Lord about it yourself. About what are you divided with with people? Do you have division with people? I think there's people in this room that need to forgive. I think there's some forgiveness that needs to be released for for things that have been done to you. You know, I think that'll that'll free some people. And I do, and I do think that if you are divided, if you've cut yourself off because you have offense at people, I want you to know something. The Lord wants to help you get out of that offense, and He wants to heal relationships. Okay? He really wants to. And I want you to ask the Lord what your rooftop is. What's the thing that you love that's dear to you that you've got to be willing to come down from to do what God's called you to do and not just be hung up on it? It doesn't mean you have to quit doing it. I'm not going to quit going after revelations and visions. Okay? I'm not, I'm not going to stop doing that. But I do know this. I can't live there. I've got to get down and go where God's called me to go. Every one of us do. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.